Imagine if you can struggling with not having enough, growing up in a really tough area, impoverished, struggling to make ends meet, and then having one of the providers for your family suddenly pass away, which leads to really big choices, such as stealing things so that you can sell those items just so you can bury that loved one. Well, today's guest did just that, and then he was faced with a decision, go to jail or join the military. Now, he's a speaker, author, and coach, and he deals with adversity to leadership. Stay with me. Hey there, you're listening to the Living a Limitless Life podcast. I'm Sharon Hughes, and on this show, we talk about mastering your mindset, growing your faith, and becoming the leader you want to be with tips, strategies, and interviews to help you create a life you love. I'm really glad you're here. So come on, let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I have a good friend that I have been courting online, and he finally gave in. This is going to be a treat. He is the host of the Adverse Effect podcast. He's the author of The Millennial Takeover. He is a coach. He's a speaker, and he likes to speak out, particularly on adversity to leadership. Give it up for Mr. Kenneth Cheadle. So Thank you excited. so much. It is a pleasure to be here, actually. And that's a warm, that's a very warm intro, so I really like that. <laughs> well, hey, you made it easy on me. You made it awesome. easy. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. So first of all, you served in the military, so I do want to thank mm-hmm. you for your service. Thank you. Yeah. What branch were you in? I was in the Army National Guard, which is oh. uh, people like, oh, that's that's like the reserves. Like the reserves these days, or back at the time when I first started, is pretty much like being active. Like I remember getting ready to graduate from basic training, and that was the day of 9-11. So we were in our uh, class Bs, or in our class As. That's like your dress-up uh, uniform. And as soon as that happened, it was like, hey, get out of that gear right now. And we had to get into a full battle round. So it was a very uh, scary, life-altering moment. Like, you know, the drill sergeant was like, you're never going home. Like, oh, my God. Like, it was different, you know, because, <laughs> <clears throat> like, we can look back at it now and have that pleasantry. Of like, oh, well, it wasn't as bad as we thought. But at that time, we had never been attacked like that. So it was right. as bad as... As like, you know, as everything that the drill sergeants were saying, even though it sounded scary, they were dead serious because we had never experienced that as a country. So they had no idea. Like, so when they said like, oh, you're never going home, we believed them <laughs> like wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. And, and you were a, a young man. How old yes, were you when you went in? Uh, I was seven. I was 17 going into 18 or eight. Yeah, I think I was 17 or 18 uh, going into, I just graduated from um, uh, high school and I had, I actually didn't choose the military. The military chose, well, I would say it chose me, but in truth, honesty, like I chose the military just out of the sense of getting away from some of the environment I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I found myself in and out of trouble a lot. Um, I was um, in some crazy amounts of trouble. I had a, uh, uh, robbed uh, a Walmart and a couple other things to kind of help pay for my father's funeral because he had passed away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we grew up poor enough to where we didn't have any way to like bury my father. So it was like, you know, two weeks gone by and he hadn't been buried. So I 
just been young and dumb, resorted to uh, drastic measures. And I found myself in uh, jail before a judge who said, hey, you got to make a choice. And then I end up choosing um, the military. And that's how I got into the military. <laughs> and isn't that, what a shift. Isn't that amazing? Because that caused your entire life to completely pivot. Yes, it did. Uh, it was definitely a pivotal moment um, in my life. Um, actually, a needed moment too. Like, uh, my father passed away uh, at the age of 16. I guess he passed away when I was 16. And at that point in time, I think that it's imperative that men have parents around, men, woman or a male, you know, but especially at that age, another man. Like, because the times that come before that, it's not that, you know, having your father around is like, you know, like a bad deal or, I mean, like, like, it's like, it's not that it's like null and void because it's, it's definitely like a good thing. But at the age of 16, these are where like the life lessons start to flow in. You really need some guidance. And at that time is when my, my father passed away. So, you know, from him passing away, I had to step into like a, a, a more of a man figure in my mm-hmm. household because I had my three sisters and my mom and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So not knowing exactly how to do that because at 16, right. you don't think your dad's going to pass away. So, right. you know, there's just a lot of lessons that at that age that I really needed. I really needed some guidance, some advice. And I didn't have it. And because I didn't have it, it led me down the path of doing things the best way that I knew how, which really, as you see, you know, as you know, telling my story, going to jail or whatnot, it wasn't very good. So the military helped correct some of those things as it relates to giving me a little bit more structure and organization, but it didn't like fully change me. I mean, you are who you are. Um, mm-hmm. And at that time, who I was was very deep rooted into the environment that I grew up in. So. Right. Oh, gosh. I think you and I could spend a weekend talking about all of <laughs> those things. Um what I really want to know is what prompted you to start your podcast? I mean, the oh. adverse effect is that's, that's such a statement just in the title. Yeah. Um, what made me start the adverse effect was I had gotten to a point to where, you know, I got out of college and I had uh, struggled throughout my corporate America uh, time just due to the environment that I grew up in and been in the military. Mm-hmm. It's very direct and aggressive type of backgrounds where corporate America is very passive aggressive. So Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to fit in that, in that world was really a challenge for me. Um, And uh, I ended up writing a book, which was really good. And I did that to give back to people that had came from the same environments or just, or were just like first generational career professionals Mm -hmm. and had no understanding of how to navigate in corporate America or different things like that. So I started sharing that with people and I started doing a lot of life coaching at the time. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where a life coaching and career coaching had just become so exhausting. Not to say that I didn't love doing it. I loved doing it for the three years that mm-hmm. I was fully engaged in it. However, it became such a tax and burden in, in some regards. So I started the adverse effect because I believe that there were still more stories out there that wasn't just like mine's, but, you know, had different varieties and uh, 
you know, just different backgrounds of how these these people have gone through different day-to-day adversities and how they've gone on to be successful in their lives or mm-hmm. gone on to find some normalcy in their lives. So I created mm-hmm. the podcast to not only share my story, but to be able to talk to other people and allow them to share their story so that they could go forth and give back to people uh, something that would help them along. Because oftentimes we think that we're the only one that's dealing with an adversity. We think right. that we are the only person that has experienced something. And when you start to hear somebody else going through something that you have been through or walking through, mm-hmm. um, it's a liberating moment. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, cool. If this person did this and they got through it, I can. Or how did they get through this? Maybe my the way that I figured this out won't be the exact way, but it, this right here gives me a start that I didn't have before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I reference it to, um, I think about the guy that, ran the uh, the first mile and he did like in two minutes or something like that. And, you know, the old knowledge was perceived that if you ran a mile in under two minutes that your heart would explode or something mm-hmm. like that. So this guy dreamed about doing this forever, you know, man, well, you know, months leading up to this big moment to where he got ready to do it. And then he finally, he believed that he could do it, manifest in his mind, he ended up doing it. Now, his story is good, but the best part to me is the fact that after he did it, there were like three or four other people that did it within the same month. And mm-hmm. it was that they needed to see somebody else do it. And then it was mm. like, oh, I can do it too. Right. So when I think about, you know, these adversities that we all go through, it's, um, okay, you know, if I hear somebody else, you know, on my podcast or that I'm interviewing and they share a story, somebody's like, oh, they got through that. I can get through that too. So I take yeah. that same mind frame and that yeah. mental uh, concept from, you know, that that sprinter way back when, um, and bring that same psychology to the podcast as well. Right. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> your podcast, like it shakes things up. Yeah. What I love about <laughs> your podcast is just the diversity of people that you bring on. Mm-hmm. And it's really a judgment-free zone. Like you just kind of, you definitely. let people just be who they are and tell their story. Almost definitely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so like I've listened to, like I so said, I'm a big fan of so many different podcasts, but you know, one of the things I try to do with this podcast, everybody's like, well, you don't talk as much as you would normally talk. Like you'd really let people tell their story. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's important. Um, like I kind of like, um, we talked about Christianity before. I like the, I like the pastor approach where he says, uh, most pastors, you know, in the Christian faith, they say, and, you know, right before they get ready to do their, their sermon, they say, please hide me or shield me behind the cross. So people don't see me, the pastor, they actually see Jesus and Jesus Christ. So my thing is not to come to the show just to see me speak and talk or whatever. Mm -hmm. I have other platforms for that. I really want you to come here and hear this message that this person is saying. So how can I draw that message out from the person and how can I give it to the listeners so that they can, um, you know, receive it well. So that's just such a beautiful picture of your own humility. Like you're very, very humble. You are. (laughs) (laughs) And I I just know that because, well, since we've been talking on Instagram for a while now, I I just feel like Mm -hmm. I know you, you know, you've, you've opened up quite a bit and you just share things. And, um, I really appreciate that. I find that that's a piece that's missing for, for men. Like, yeah, I feel like women are screaming. Like we want our men to be vulnerable and open up and share with us. We want to know the you underneath it all, but right. our society 
is saying, be a man, suck it up. Don't cry. Don't show your feelings. Like, do you see that? Yeah, I, I most definitely think uh, we actually have conversations about this. I think we're actually in a transition period from that state of mind. It's mm-hmm. a very barbaric, barley type thing. And I get it. You know what I mean? I get it. Like, you know, you want your man to be a manly man and all this other good jazz. But what you do from that is you strike away from what's true about the human experience, about what the mm-hmm. person really is. Like, yes, I am a very masculine, manly man. You know what I mean? I'm very broadly, but at the same time, I got feelings and I have emotions and they need to be expressed. Um, And because I do so doesn't mean that I'm less of a man. Like I remember, this is a funny for the listeners. Uh, I I remember way back when, and and it's kind of off subject, but it just goes to the tradition of society, right? So I remember way back when um, I had this uh, lady I was dating at the time. And she's like, I'm going to go get a pedicure. You know, you want to come? I'm like, oh, no, that's that's not manly. That's not what men do. I, was like, <laughs> I went on this whole tangent, you know, saying for a couple of years. And then one day I was looking at P. Diddy, Puff Daddy phone. <laughs> um, back in the day. And he had this show back in the day on MTV called Making a Band. <laughs> I'm making a band, right, right? <laughs> so um, this man was getting a pedicure. Like on the show, like he was talking stuff to the kids or whatever. He was asking to get a pedicure at the same time. I'm like, huh, I can get a pedicure as a man. Like, you know, I had to see, again, it goes back to that whole thought process. I had to see mm-hmm. somebody else do this. And then I was like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, you know, before long, my friends were like, oh, I can't believe you're going to go do this and going to go do that. But it's because they had never seen what I had saw. And I was like, hey, man, I'm doing this because, you know, and back at the time, I'm like, well, P. Diddy did it. But now I do it because this is something that I really wanted to do. I wanted to do it back then. I just felt like I needed permission as a man because this wasn't what society deemed was masculine. And I come to come to see like, no, 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 that's not true. First off, as a man, you should be well kept. Nobody wants to deal with an unkept man. I mean, so (laughs) it means that they're not barley enough you know that, that that's personal <laughs> you know you know it's, i guess it's up to the discretion of the person you're with but for me i like to be a kept man um and that's not often looked at as masculine but i'm very masculine you know what i mean but we we try to take things and uh coin them as not being a man or if you cry if you do this these things aren't manly and those are all false narratives that have been built up by a society of old. And we just don't live in that world anymore. I'm not sure we ever lived in that world, but I know for sure we don't live in that world now. So, <laughs> Well, you know, P. Diddy, um, he, he listens to my show. We're tight. So <laughs> nice. shout out. Hey, thank you. Because now Kenneth Cheadle is getting pedicures. I'm just right? kidding you. It's April Fool's, so April Fool's. <laughs> but you know what? I agree with what you said about false narratives. And with the work that I do, I find that the people I come in contact with, either through the corporate training that I've done or the, the coaching I do with women, they've all got false narratives running in their head. It, oh, yeah, most and, definitely. and it's such like opposite ends of the spectrum too. It, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you found is a really good way to overcome those false narratives aside from oh, seeing man. that P. Diddy gets a pedicure? <laughs> oh, well, I think, I think the first thing is self-discovery, right? Mm, because yeah. we live in a society where we've been told like, so let's, let's back all the way up. We've been told, and this is my theory, you know, maybe okay. I'll subscribe to it or whatnot, but I feel like we've been told who to be for a very long time. Yes. And we're now in a, in a, in a stage and a phase and a, 
in a uh, in a sector in a time in life where that is no longer the truth where we have to be told who we are like you know we all done we and what I what I mean by being told that means being doing doing things traditionally I'm doing mm-hmm. this because this is what tradition and president has said before, what my people did before me, is mm-hmm. what everybody else did, regardless if it feels right or whatever. I'm doing this because they did it. Well, mm-hmm. I just don't think that we're in that space anymore. And for yeah. me, um, I try to live organically more to who I am mm-hmm. and the space I am. I recognize what truth is and what truth isn't. So I'm very exploratory. <laughs> about figuring it <laughs> myself out um but also uh you know i just i don't i don't subscribe to the narrative like you know you have to be this way you know well it's the question of well why do i have to be this way yeah like, who said this who came right. up with this and you know so you start to peel back the onion if you ask mm-hmm. why you'll start to peel back a lot of the onions and then when you get to the center you're like oh i've been thinking about it this way because this is what I've been told. But now that I've looked back and read, you know, actually this person didn't even say that. This is, they didn't even say, I've been thinking this, but this is somebody else that said it. So there's a lot of tradition debunking that we have to do as a society to, to make sure that what was done in tradition is actually factual. Right. Or is it just something that someone came up with at the time? Um, and is, even if it is, you know, factual, is it true to you? Mm-hmm. You know, is it true to who you are as a person? So mm-hmm. self-discovery has had me on a, on a, in a space where I'm starting to find myself and I'm figuring out like, you know, you know, I remember um, first going out with my friends back when we were younger and I used to, uh, we used to all drink Long Island iced teas. <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. Back when I could handle it, I'm too old. To <laughs> but back when we were doing those, I did that in a sense because, you know, that's what we always did. You know, one day mm-hmm. I found myself discovering myself. I'm like, do you even like this? Do you even like these Long Island Ice Teas? I'm like, no, you don't. Actually, what do you like? So you find mm-hmm. like, okay, well, let me go figure out what this is. Or, you know, and then when somebody says like, oh, you know, you should you should be um, in this relationship, in this marriage or whatever, because, uh, you know, whatever this tradition says, regardless of if it makes you uncomfortable, if it's abusive, or maybe you got into it at a young age and you just didn't develop and see the things that you see now, but mm-hmm. you just stay with it no matter the case like yeah we lived in a time where that was the case we don't live mm-hmm. in that time now and i'm not avidly promoting divorce or whatever because it's at, at this time it's too rampant i think people get into things and they leave way too fast mm-hmm. uh, so i'm not advocating that but i am advocating the sense of don't think don't stay in the situation whether that be a relationship a career a place in your life mm-hmm. uh, whatever because of some traditional thing or some body that you can't even fact check to see you know if that's true about yourself you, you make you make your you, you build a life in a, in a in a prison at some times around those traditions and you're not able to live a full life I think that's I think that's uh crazy uh but again we didn't know these things that we know now so now we're you know as you as you as more evidence presents itself and more things start to come forth it's on us as a people to make um the right choices for us as individuals and our families and not do things just because this is what the masses are doing. What do you think is right and true for you as an individual and your family? You know? Yeah. I think that's a really valuable set of questions right there. Yeah. Yeah. So before we pushed the record button, we chatted just a little bit and we talked about just so briefly about faith. 
just so briefly. Mm -hmm. And you said, well, you're not, you don't want to disrupt anybody. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> such, a I'm such a disruptor. But um, I would like to know mm -hmm. what, what has shaped your faith. I think it, uh, since we're just going to expose people to ask the questions of why, why do I think that? Share, mm -hmm. Would you mind sharing what, what you what you believe about faith, where you're at now, because I like what you told me earlier before we started recording and I completely agreed with you. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot to... a little bit. Right. But, and but see what good. I, right. Good. See, and what I say right now, you might like, I thought I agree with him. So, you know, <laughs> disclosure to the people, she hasn't heard everything. I think, you know, she <laughs> probably, probably haven't heard everything. Right. <laughs> so like, um, for me, like I, uh, I grew up in a church. I grew up, uh, you know, starting as early as three months was the first time I went to a church uh, that, I, that I currently still am a, mender, a member of. Now, throughout this time, and this is not true for everybody, but this is true for me. And I think it's true for a lot more people than what we think. Um, I had no idea uh, a lot of things. So I like, I, I do, like, they call it blind faith. You know, people right. always say, you gotta walk in faith blindly. Like, cool, I'm with that, whatever. So... I went down that path of believing everything that I was told, um, good, bad, and indifferent, mm -hmm. whether it was from my parents, from my grandmother, my grandfather, the pastor, whatever, as it relates to religion, what they told me, hey, that was the law. Yeah. No investigation on my side. Um, I ended up going off to college and going off to college, I started, you know, because of where I grew up at and being so active in the church, I'm like, I'm going to take all these religion courses, you know. And I started to find out different narratives and different things other than what I knew to be true uh, that was based in history, science, and facts. I was like, oh, this is not necessarily what I thought. And it brought me to a space where I, I was able to question things that, you know, that I was told back when I was younger, you know, like, hey, don't, don't, um, don't question God, you know, you just got to believe. And um, that answer wasn't good enough for me. I needed mm -hmm. to know why and more. Mm -hmm. And um, in doing so, I found myself where I would say that I have a lot of Christian foundations, mm -hmm. um, but I would say that I'm not very religious in the sense of that religion guides me. I can see, you know, I've, as being a soldier and being a person that's traveled the world a mm -hmm. few times, I can see where religion can be very disruptive as the sense that it can be, it, it can divide people. So I've yeah. walked to a space where I'm very much a believer in God. Like I wouldn't be where I'm at right now in my life. I wouldn't have all these things I have. I wouldn't have, there's so many moments when my life could have been taken from me, whether there was the environment that I grew up in or the time that I served in the military, the time that I served overseas as a contractor, whatnot, um, that I knew that there was a presence bigger than mine's there that saved my life. So not discrediting God by any stretch of the imagination. But I will say this. Um, there are two types of people to me as it relates to religion. Um, and uh, I've kind of found myself like identifying this by, by looking at my past and looking at where I'm at right now. And when I first started to go to church, I would consider myself what I would call a grocery store Christian. And that means that when you walk into the store, you know, you go into the produce area, you go to apples, tomatoes, you know, bell pepper, whatever the case may be there, you just pick it up and you put it in the basket in the bag mm -hmm. like I'm ready to go. Because in your mind, you're like, they wouldn't put this here if it wasn't good for me. You know, yeah. they wouldn't have it here if it wasn't something I should have, right? Okay, I'm but talking you with watched, you. <laughs> right. But if you ever watched a, 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 a former, a person that actually forms food, go into a store, 
they're very selective about the produce that they pick up. Mm, like, like okay. they look at it, they analyze it like, oh, okay, well, this is not a really good tomato. I mean, I know it's here, but it's not, the, that's not the one I'm looking for. Let me go mm-hmm. find, this is the one I'm looking for because they understand what they're looking for. So it goes to the space to where I say that a grocery store Christian is just going to take whatever pastor, mom, mother, grandmother, or whoever has told them, mm-hmm. no investigation. They're just like, well, if they, if, if it w- they wouldn't tell me if it wasn't true because they love me or they're around mm-hmm. me, you know what I mean? Whereas a a former Christian is a person that's like, okay, well, I, I really appreciate you telling me the information. Let me go investigate this myself as well mm-hmm. so I can see if I can come up with something similar or find out what's true for me, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we have to get more to the latter than we are to the, the former, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like the way that you explained that. You know, it's it's easy for people to to grasp because when it comes to faith and what people believe, like you're right, they're so divided. And I want to be a disruptor in the sense that um, I just really want to walk in grace and mercy. And mm-hmm. I want people to know that they matter because I actually believe that that, that is truly what the gospel is, is that they matter, that you are enough as you are, that, you exactly. have heart, that you're valid um, and valued. And the exactly. message got skewed somewhere in there. So I think that's yeah. the difference between like the difference between religion and relationship. Right. Like yeah. like like you know, being able to travel around the world a couple of times. Like I have friends that are I have friends that live in Afghanistan, I have friends mm-hmm. that live in China, I have friends in Korea, I have friends all over the world, you know, mm-hmm. just traveling. And even if I wasn't traveling. Just the fact that I have social media in my engagement through my social right. media, I, I have friends throughout the world, um, whether they be in Korea, China, Afghanistan, Germany, Africa, like just different places I've been. And even if I didn't travel to those spaces, the fact that we utilize social media has also connected me with so many different people right. across the world. Yeah. And we've built genuine relationships, genuine mm-hmm. friendships. And, you know, I grew up, and this is not true for everyone, so I'm not putting this out there. But for me, I grew up with the narrative that if you wasn't Christian, you're going to hell. And mm-hmm. I know that some of the people that I, have, that I have friendships with, just based on the sheer fact of where they were born, uh, the chances of them bumping across Christianity may be slim to none. You know what I'm saying? So there's no way I can be like, okay, well, you're going to hell just because you've never seen it, blah, 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 or you haven't been introduced to it. It's like, well, I can't believe, I, I don't believe that that God exists, not a loving God. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. and then it's because you get a chance to have more of a human experience. Now, if I was just in my hometown in Kansas City, Missouri, and I never moved outside of that space, and all I ever heard was that narrative growing up, and I never got outside that zone. That's exactly what I would believe because that's my experience. That's all I have. But right. thankfully, God has allowed me to travel throughout the world and meet different people. And that has totally debunked my thought process on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just said something that's, again, so pivotal that because that was your experience, then that was that's what you would believe. Don't you mm-hmm. think that that just applies like universally to to just life. Like if this is all you know, and this is all you experience, whatever it was, then that's just what you're going to believe is that's the way that life is because it's kind Almost of like in a box. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. I think that, I think that we all have to get to a, a, a space. I, ta- I, ca- I call it range. I tell people like, oh, you got to get more range. 
Mm. And what I mean by range is that you can't just be in this one spot, in this one focus, in this one environment, because that's not truly life. That's only life based on what you know. And to find truth in life, you have to get outside of the life that you know so that you can debunk some of the prejudices, the, yeah. the, this, you know, the belief system that you had only based on the world that you knew. Um, mm, yeah. So getting outside of those spaces definitely challenges that because you're like, oh, well, I thought this to be true, but it's not because I now have this experience or I now seeing something totally different. Um, and I think that, you know, like one of the big shaping moments for me is where I grew up in an environment of what we like to call the hood or, you know, urban core or whatever. It was really a struggle. And it was only the fact that I had um, gotten a job with one of the sergeants that I used to be in the unit with, he, had, he owned a window cleaning business. And it was out in this really ritzy area. It's called like Black Bob Road in Kansas City. And it's like where, you know, the, the, you know, the well-to-do kind of stay. And mm-hmm. I, never, I never was out in that area. So I grew up in a very impoverished area. So when I got out there, I was just taken back like, wow, I can't believe this. Like, where did you guys get all this stuff? And, you know, how do you have grass with no crabgrass? And how do you get houses this big? And I'm talking to these people, you know, these owners that were cleaning the houses on against my sergeant's, uh, you know, his his permission. He told me not to do this, <laughs> but I did it anyway. And I'm like, well, what do you do for a living? And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a manager at Target or I work for this uh, healthcare uh, facility or I work for this firm. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. so what it did is it made them become everyday people to me. Up until that mm-hmm. point, I believed that I had to become an entertainer or a ball player or a drug dealer or something to amass this type of success. Right. And what I come to find out is like, oh, you can be an everyday Joe and get this. But that wasn't a reality for me. And I had to right. go see that to be like, oh, this, this is possible for me. So I had achieved a lot of what I had saw by the age of 25 uh, just because I saw it. You know, so I was, yeah. you know, when people consider the American dream, the house, the pick a fist, all that good stuff. But I got that at 25 years old because I was chasing it. But up to that point, I didn't know what it looked like. I had mm-hmm. to see somebody show me what that was mm-hmm. and then explain to me like, oh, this is what I do. I'm like, oh, you're just, you're just me. You're just regular. Cool. I can yeah. do this. You know, and yeah. then it gave me the the empowerment to go off and do things on my own. And, you know, I never looked back from there. So. I love that. That's so powerful. That really is a game changer. It is. So I wanted to tell you that I was on your website and I was just reading some of the text and you were just talking about bringing stories and I'm reading through the list and I got to the line that talked about the kid being bullied and Mm -hmm. I just got wrecked. I was crying. I couldn't even finish my research on you. Like I had to close my laptop. I was like, that's it. Like you have such a tender heart, such a tender heart. And, you know, knowing the story that you've been through of just the struggle of Mm -hmm. everything, like all the obstacles you've overcome, you've just come out on top, just such a big hearted guy that's so committed to giving other people hope and bringing that message that, hey, you can do this too. I just love that about you. I love that. So what's next for you, Kenneth? Do you have any, I know you coach and you speak Mm -hmm. and I'm going to put Mm -hmm. all your contact in the show notes. Do you have any online courses or how can people work with you? 
Um, they can work with me by, uh, like I tell people, when you listen to my show, the ticket is to forward it on to someone else that could benefit from it. That's how people can work with me right now. Um, we, uh, I didn't expect the show to do, do as well as it's doing. So it's doing pretty good. And we are in the uh, season, we're in season two. I think we have like five or six episodes left this season. So we're going to go into season three. And in season three, I'm going to start having a lot more interaction with my audience. So we'll have a lot more, uh, you know, like, you know, people that write into the show, we give feedback to some of the things that they have. So having a day during the week that we do a feedback show, uh, we're also going to be having new merchandise come out. So we have some adverse effect type of merchandising clothing line, as far as like t-shirts and mugs and stuff like that. And to give people an idea of what the adverse effect means or the type of people that we bring on the show, we have three, uh, tier type of people. Uh, we have, um, the people that like, you know, adversity made me, which is pretty much me is like, you know, the things that I went through, the things that I've mm-hmm. uh, had to experience made me who I am. And I really embrace that. And I take that on as a person like, hey, this is, you know, I, I really embody that. Uh, then you have the people that are the adverse survivors. So I've interviewed mm-hmm. people on the show that have been survivors of uh, molestation, been survivors of suicide, been survivors mm-hmm. of uh, just so many other things. And we have your adversity survivors, people that have gone through some mm-hmm. very traumatic things and come out on the other side and they're willing to share their story and talk about their pain to help someone else. And then right. we have the um, the champion survivors. Uh, and these are the people that are champions of adversity, rather, uh, is what, I wanna, what, what, I, what I'd rather say, champions of adversity. And these are people that are experts in the field, whether that be mental health or something like that. These are doctors. These are people that have tons of experience and they come on the show and give the audience and the listeners uh, good uh, feedback and, you know, steps on how to uh, deal with the adversities that they, they deal with. So we're going to have something in the future for all those lines. I plan to actually have a conference. So there's, there's so much in the pipe as wow. it relates to that show. So uh, I'm That's really excited exciting. about where we're going. Yeah. So we'll see That's how so we exciting. work it out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I just appreciate your time so much. I have a page worth of notes, but just the takeaway is what you shared about the human experience and the, the journey of self-discovery. False narratives, that was just a huge point that you made. Um, mm-hmm. I love how you illustrated how to get more range and then also in depth on believing only what you know, because it's based on what you've experienced. Like this has been a wealth of information. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, Hey everybody, you've got to just jump into the show notes below so you can connect with Ken. Hey there, right at the end, we had a little technical difficulty. So I did not have his outro properly recorded, but you can connect with Ken. Everything's listed in the show notes below. As you heard, he's an amazing thought leader. Join him on his podcast, The Adverse Effect, and you can find him at kennethcheadle.com. Again, everything's listed below. And please share this. It's really important to get that message out that no matter what hand you've been dealt with your life or what mistakes or choices you've made that might have led you to where you don't really want to be, you can turn it around. And as always, I wish you every good thing.